Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, I talked to Senator Al Franken about the historic Paris Climate Agreement. Mike Grimm sits down with a well-known TV play-by-play announcer from Minnesota. And Tasha Radel focuses on the giving season. But first... Please join me in welcoming the next President of the United States, Hillary Clinton. That's former Vice President Walter Mondale doing the honors as Democratic presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton made what was billed as a major policy address this week at the U of M's Minneapolis campus. MNN's Bill Werner joins us with a recap. And Bill, how important a speech was this? Well, it certainly got a lot of attention across the country, Scott, because, of course, of the recent attacks not only in Paris but also much closer to home in California. Calling Minnesota's efforts a model for the nation, Clinton laid out her plan to combat terrorism. She first stressed courage and leadership. We cannot give in to fear. We can't let it stop us from doing what is right and necessary to make us safe and doing it in a way that is consistent with our values. We cannot let fear push us into reckless actions that end up making us less safe. Americans are going to have to act with both courage and clarity. Americans have experienced terrorism before. On 9-11, we learned that terrorists in Afghanistan could strike our homeland. From Fort Hood to Chattanooga to the Boston Marathon, we saw people radicalized here carrying out deadly attacks. But San Bernardino felt different. Maybe it was the timing coming so soon after the Paris attacks. Maybe it was how random it seemed, a terrorist attack in a suburban office park, not a high-profile target or symbol of American power. It made us all feel it could have been anywhere, at any time. Clinton then ticked off her counterterrorism initiative. We need a comprehensive strategy to counter each step in the process that can lead to an attack like the one in San Bernardino. First, we have to shut down ISIS recruitment in the United States, especially online. Second, stop would-be jihadists from getting training overseas and stop foreign terrorists from coming here. Third, discover and disrupt plots before they can be carried out. Fourth, support law enforcement officers who risk their lives to prevent and respond to attacks. And fifth, empower our Muslim American communities who are on the front lines of the fight against radicalization. This is a 360-degree strategy to keep America safe. That's Democratic presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton this week at the University of Minnesota. For the view from the other side of the political aisle, we talked with Republican Party of Minnesota Chairman Keith Downey. Polls show that people in America don't really trust Hillary Clinton, and uh, part of it is because she's been dishonest in the past, and part of it is that uh, everything that the Obama 
Clinton's strategy has uh, kind of wrought on America and, and the world is is really a failure in in all of their efforts. And so, I think by and large, it's it's warmed over rhetoric. Uh, I'm glad she's talking finally about some things that Republicans have been talking about uh, for a long time. Whether or not she actually delivers on on any of it, I think is open to the question, given the record of her five-year record as Secretary of State and the uh, Obama uh, actions, even as we speak, that she says she wants to continue. List those things that, that Republicans have proposed previously and that she's now now uh, climbing onto. Well, finally, strengthening uh, the uh, visa verification process. Uh, we learned in just the last two days uh, that Homeland Security uh, does not allow for online uh, uh, radicalization comments uh, and conversations to be considered when issuing visas. Um, I mean that that's outrageous, frankly. When you think about the the places where people um, you know put their thoughts out now, it's online largely. And so uh, if Hillary's talking about doing more online uh, verification there, that would be great. Um, you know, our own Sheriff Stanek here with the uh, uh, Joint uh, Terrorism Task Force in Minnesota with local law enforcement and officials. Uh, has been working very hard with uh, the Muslim community in Minnesota uh, to try and uh, stop the recruitment and the radicalization here in our own state. And so, um, I mean, she hits a couple themes that, that sound really good. They they don't jive with their past actions of the Obama administration currently, and it's all the stuff that Republicans have been talking about and, and frankly, really complaining about as they've be- become known after the, the Paris and San Bernardino attack. So, uh it's a little late, it's a little weak. I don't know whether people really trust that her rhetoric would translate into something uh, of reality. And, and so I think there's still big question marks. Downey went on to say about the refugee issue. Until the FBI, not the political organization uh, of Homeland Security that reports to the president, uh, but until the FBI says we actually have confidence in our vetting process, uh, we probably should hold off, put a pause button on the Syrian uh, refugee uh, migration here to the United States, uh, clearly uh, clamping down on this wide-open, porous visa process, uh, securing our own borders here at home. Now, those are things Republicans have been talking about and fighting for for years. That's Minnesota Republican Party Chairman Keith Downey. And Scott, although Christmas is coming up fast and we might see a little slackening in the political debate, it will be full speed ahead immediately after the holidays. As America gets ready to elect a new president, under 11 months from now. Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Nearly 200 countries joined together in Paris recently for an historic agreement to help limit global warming. Minnesota Senator Al Franken was there for part of the negotiations, and I recently sat down to chat with him about it. So there's a worldwide consensus, except for the Republican Party in the United States, that um, we have uh, that we're seeing climate change. And that it, if we don't do something about it, it's going to be disastrous in terms of sea level rising, which has already happened. We, we've already gone up about a uh, degree uh, Fahrenheit and, uh, it, in, it's in, in the since the Industrial Age started. And the, what's going to continue to happen, even with this agreement, is going to it's going to continue warming and and this year was warmer than any other year and we have to um set, you know transition to uh, renewable energy uh around the world and what we we finally in, in 1992 in rio uh we signed along long uh signed up along with with other countries to approach uh, to do something to do this and this is the first time that there is a, a plan that uh, countries have put in, about 184 countries put in per, uh, their plans on reducing their, their, cli- uh, their, their, their carbon footprint. And, we ag- and what was agreed to was, one, those goal- the goals, uh, two, for countries to implement their plans, uh, three, uh, to have transparency in determining what, what's going on, what we're doing. So that, uh, and that was a big issue at the, um, at the conference was how much uh, transparency would be. Because you can keep track of this stuff. Scientists know how to do it, and, and uh, there's, there's ways to do it uh, and what an economy is doing, what China is doing, what the United States is doing. Um, so... The, the, they got tr- a strong transparency piece of this. There's also uh, the uh, industrialized, developed nations uh, have, uh, are doing a climate fund to pay the for those that help the third world countries with those tra- that transition, and that was that's uh, like a hundred billion a year. And that's going to be something that we pay into and that China pays into and countries that can pay into, Japan, uh, Norway, et cetera, Germany. And, and then to meet again in five years to see how we're doing. And also to invest in, in, in innovation. Some criticism being leveled at the, the plan, which, as you said, is historic. The criticism is that there doesn't seem to be an enforcement mechanism in place, is the phrasing that I heard about. And I'm wondering if you can expand on that a little bit. I mean, is this something that's enforceable? Uh, not to the extent that some people wanted it to be. And, um, you know, on the one hand, this is you know an historic game changer. On the other hand, it was a disappointment. But I think that's what it had to be. Yeah. Um, we couldn't get certain enforcement mechanisms in it in in part because um, this couldn't be a treaty because probably a treaty wouldn't get, uh, um, could, you know, we, we wouldn't ratify it in the United States Senate. So it couldn't have the certain kind of enforcement mechanisms that would make it a treaty. Um, on On the other hand, 
this is an enormous step forward. On a personal level, you know, you're a father and a grandfather. Yep. So uh, I think that when the the conversation about climate control and uh, global warming comes up, obviously we're talking about future g- generations and trying to preserve yep. I things mean, for them. It's happening now. We're seeing the effects now. I mean, we've seen sea level rise. We see storm surges like Superstorm Sandy causing billions and billions of dollars. We're seeing um, extreme weather. We're seeing... Uh, Droughts, you know, those kinds of things, more extreme weather conditions. The the, the uh, military right now, the Defense Department is seeing um, th- this is having effects on our naval bases that are like in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk is very often underwater. Uh, but yes, this is about the future. And I did say in Paris that I have a, a two two and a half year old grandson. I have another grandson coming in about five weeks, we think, uh, give or take a week or so. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And I said in Paris at some press conference at a city hall, because a lot of mayors came there. We had the mayor of St. Paul, Chris Coleman, uh, mayor of St. Cloud, mayor of, of Burnsville were there. Um, I, uh, uh, you know, I, I said that 40 years from now, I don't want my grandson's and hopefully other grandchildren, mm-hmm. coming to me and say, uh, Grandpa, you were a senator, why didn't you do anything? And then I realized what I just said, and I said they'd also probably be saying, Grandpa, you're you're 104 years old, why are you still alive? <laughs> so maybe I should say 30 years from now, I don't want them saying that. Well, you know, more if- likely I'll be around, but, I, you know, I, we're making innovations not just in renewable Energy we're making in medicine, too. Exactly. So I, I will be around. And perhaps if this uh, works the way it's supposed to, it will help uh, increase life expectancy. And uh, Well, not only that, but this is going to be the jobs of, of the, not of the future, but just of the present. And if you think about Minnesota, we have no fossil fuels. We have no coal. We have no natural gas. We have no oil. We do have... Uh, a lot of biomass. We do have sun. We do have wind. We also have a great research university. We also have a lot of brilliant people. And if you saw this week, China was just choking on its fumes. That's a trillion-dollar energy market. I want those jobs to go to Minnesotans. Yeah. So I think this is really, uh, and as we look at the what's already happening in terms of wind in Minnesota, and, and, and Minnesota has been a leader on this. And it was Governor Pawlenty, really, who was a leader on this. And um, this is going to be good for uh, Minnesota. It's going to be good for a future economy of the world. More Minnesota Matters after this. Hey, it's Flint Lockwood here from Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered these amazing living foodimals. But wait, we've also discovered a crisis that needs our help. According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. That's almost 17 million kids. Our mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger in communities across the country. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks helping connect children and families who face hunger to billions of pounds of food, reaching shelters, schools, and community centers in every county in America, including yours. 
Help Flint and the Feeding America network of food banks get food to the people who need it in your community. Find your local Feeding America food bank at feedingamerica.org hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woohoo! So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. Minnesota News Network Sports Director Mike Grimm crosses paths with a lot of television play-by-play announcers during his work as the voice of Golden Gopher football and basketball. One of those TV personalities might be the most watched man based in Minnesota, who a lot of people don't know about. Scott Clay Matvick lives in Princeton, Minnesota, but is most well-known for his work outside of the state on ESPN and ESPNU, where he reaches a potential 70 million households every week. Traditionally, he calls a college football game from either the ACC or the SEC every week during the fall, then does Big 12 and Big 10 men's college basketball during the winter. And this spring, he'll turn his attention to college baseball on the national level, mostly from the SEC on ESPN. Princeton, Minnesota's Clay Matvick is almost certainly the most watched Minnesota-based television sportscaster working in the country today. I sat down with him at Williams Arena this week, where he was working a gopher men's basketball game for ESPN3. And we began our discussion about his busy college football schedule. Well, I did a lot of college football again this uh, season, Mike, and I did uh, a game every Saturday, as you mentioned. Uh, I think our crew was on the Coaches Go Bye Bye tour because we did a game in where Steve Spurrier coached and won his last home game. We did Virginia Tech when Frank Beamer needed a win to get into the postseason. So we had an exciting year. We did an Al Golden game in Miami. It seemed like everywhere we went, within a day or two, the coach was fired. But no, really busy uh, this fall. We were mostly in the ACC with some SEC sprinkled in there. But uh, a lot of travel. Like you mentioned, I live here in Minnesota, but uh, I'm traveling somewhere every Saturday, and uh, it, it, but it's still a great life, as you know, doing sports. We get paid to do this, and who can argue with that? What was your favorite game that you called this, this fall? I really think it was that uh, Virginia Tech game uh, at the end of the year against Virginia, and it was in Charlottesville, Virginia, so it was a rivalry game. That's a big game in that state every year, but it was also necessary for Virginia Tech to win to get bowl eligibility and to extend Frank Beamer's career one more game. As it happened, they won. It came down to the final seconds. They got the win. They get into the postseason, and Frank Beamer, who's a legendary coach, the uh, currently the all-time uh, winningest coach of active coaches, and uh, you know to see him win that game, to see the emotion, to see that you know we could be a part of it was terrific. 
Clay Matvik with us. Uh, he's on ESPN3. Occasionally you get bumped to the uh, mothership ESPN as well. We're taping this at Williams Arena. These are probably the games you like. You only have to drive about, what, 60 miles, 70 miles? Yeah, not even. Yeah, round trip, yeah. Uh, no, this is great. I, and, you know, I grew up watching the Gophers and watching games from Williams Arena in the late 70s and early 80s. Never dreamed I'd actually be able to work here. And to be courtside of this unique raised floor and watch that maroon and gold come out, it really still kind of gets to me. i got to say it. And even though they haven't had a great year up to this point and uh, things haven't gone well, it is exciting to be here and I enjoy it, especially around the holidays, being able to stay off the road and stay close to them. That's a lot of fun. What other spots do you have lined up over the next few weeks that uh, might interest some folks where you're headed? Well, I'm going to be doing the Division II National Championship on Saturday. We're heading to Kansas City, in fact, tomorrow. Uh, the game is on Saturday. Uh, Northwestern Missouri State is taking on Shepherd University out of West Virginia. That'll be a Division II national championship game. Northwest Missouri, in case you don't know, uh, a legendary program in Division II ranks. Shepherd is making its first appearance in the national title game. We fully expect that to be a very good game based on the research we've done and the tape we've seen. And then I'm also going to be doing the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's going to be Mississippi State against North Carolina State. North Carolina State's going to have a lot of fans in attendance in Charlotte because, you know, they're so close. Uh, just Raleigh's just right down the road. And Mississippi State, an SEC program, they travel well, so it should be a good uh, ball game. And then right after that, my basketball season gets underway uh, in full. I'll be doing the Big 12 on Wednesday nights and the Big Ten on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I'm going to maybe be running into the Golden Gophers a time or two. We'll hopefully see that. What do you remember? I know you uh, got some of your start here doing state tournament games on TV. And uh, what, what are some memories? Obviously, you know, when you're talking state hockey and state basketball, uh, you have to have a memory or two about that. Yeah, I, you know, I enjoyed doing the uh, state tournaments. Before that, you know, I did a lot of local high school stuff in radio, working in Princeton at WQPM. And, you know, I really enjoyed that and then got into television, of course. But um, when I was able to do the state tournaments, I, the hockey tournament really stood out for me as uh, a highlight of the year, working with Lou Nanny and, and doing those championship games. You know, four overtime championship games are exhausting, but really thrilling and uh, really enjoyed the time at the X doing the high school hockey. But the basketball was fun and the football was fun, too. And now you're just too busy. You, you got, you're all over the country now. Yeah, it, there's a lot of travel, as you know. That might be the hardest part about the job, the getting there and getting back. You know, the research, you know, you kind of get into a routine on that. You know this, Mike. I mean, you get into a routine, and, and you know what you need to have to be prepared for a broadcast. The travel, though, you never know what to expect from week to week. You know, weather can cause delays. Flights can be canceled for this or for that. Certain places are hard to get to. i got to go to Lubbock, Texas five times this year. Not exactly an easy place to get to. But the travel has kind of been a grind over the last 10 years since I've been working with ESPN. But, you know, there are so many rewarding things about the job, you just overlook that. That's Clay Matvik, the pride of Princeton, Minnesota. Scott? Thank you, Mike. Tasha Radel and the giving season when Minnesota Matters returns. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? 
because I love you. <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. All right. Now pass me the new filter. Why? <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. This week, MNN's Tasha Radel had a chance to visit with the Salvation Army's Jeffrey DeMars about how the Red Kettle campaign is going in outstate Minnesota. And she caught up with Lynx guard Lindsay Whalen during her visit to the Children's Hospital in Minneapolis. Tasha, what exactly was Lindsay doing at Children's Hospital? Well, Scott, Minnesota's very own Lindsay Whalen finished lifting weights Tuesday afternoon and headed straight over to the University of Minnesota's Masonic Children's Hospital to spread some cheer to kids who are sick this holiday season. Lindsay says giving back is important to her. It's obviously uh, a very important time of the year for, for everyone and everyone's families and, and loved ones. So anything to just, um, you know, brighten up some people's days when they're not maybe not feeling the best or if we can just help in any way of that, then hopefully that's a, you know, a good day for them and their progress or, or recovery or whatever they're going through. So um, it's it's great that that the Lynx, the Timberwolves, uh, put this all together and that they're, they're an organization that gives back so much because, um, you know, days like today are what really matters and, and what really counts as far as um, giving back to the community, um, just being there for people when they're not feeling the best or, or having a tough time. And, and in the end, that's, that's what it's all about. So it's it was a, a very good day in that aspect and hopefully it can make some some younger kids days um, better. The smile on the kids faces were priceless when you walked into their hospital rooms. I could tell many of them really look up to you in so many ways. Lindsay this must make you feel pretty good and actually pretty great. It does and I think that like I said no one can predict when things happen in, in life and so when they do happen you try to you know, it takes a community, it takes everybody to be able to help people out. And so if we can be a part of that for a little bit, then, then that's what we try to do. And that's what the, the Timberwolves and Lynx have tried to do throughout these years. And so me being a part of that is just something that that is important. And that, that you um, just, like I said, it takes everybody. So if you can bright, brighten somebody's day, maybe that's a good day for them moving towards their recovery and, and on their progress. So that was... Um, one of the main focuses and one of the main things that we tried to do today. I know you were born and raised in Hutchinson, not too far from me. I grew up in Montevideo. With Christmas just a few days away, any big plans? Yeah, just uh, family, just seeing family, and um, I'll be able to get home for a while. I At this point, I'm usually overseas still, or last year in, the, in this time, I was getting ready to go overseas, so this is a a nice change to be able to just be home and just be with um, my family and be with my husband's family. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what we have planned. Some working out because I'm trying to uh, stay in good shape for next season, but taking time for family and, and doing that is, uh, is, is the main thing at this time of year. Thanks, Lindsay. Another way Minnesotans are giving back this holiday season is through the Salvation Army's Red Kettle campaign. I caught up with Jeffrey DeMars about how this year's campaign is going in outstate Minnesota. 
We hope to raise just over $3 million this year in outstate Minnesota, and we're about halfway to our goal. So there's plenty of work ahead of us and lots of bell ringing left to do, but this weekend is our final push, so we're hoping a lot of people will be out and about, especially considering uh, this weather hopefully will, <laughs> will help us as well. And last-minute shoppers, of course. That's a huge push. This last weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, is is so big for us, and it is every single year. So, yeah, last-minute shoppers are going to be out, and uh, typically they're in relatively good moods <laughs> and, and feeling like they would like to donate, and then they drop in a couple bucks uh, into the red kettles for sure. And, you know, not to be a pessimist, but just kind of reminding people, you know, if we don't make some of these goals in outstate Minnesota, uh, what is the ultimate, I guess, result of that? Right. So when you drop a dollar into a red kettle, it's as if you're dropping money into helping a program for food or clothing or, or shelter or one of those things. So if the money and the goals aren't met that we've set then some of those programs go away. Maybe we're not able to provide something for, for somebody in a, in a time of crisis. So it really is key. I mean, it, it, it translates directly, that money that goes into the kettle translate directly to the programs and services that we provide all across outstate Minnesota involving uh, food, clothing, shelter at a time of crisis for people. All right. And then my last question, I don't know if, if we can answer this, but do we pull most of the kettles right after Christmas or do they go through the new year? I can't remember. No, yeah, the kettles are gone. So they don't even make it to Christmas. <laughs> the kettles go for most of outstate Minnesota. They'll be off the streets on December 24th. There are some people that some areas of the state, um, they'll have it for about a half a day on December 24th. Uh, rarely do they do a, an entire ring. But by the 25th, every single kettle is off the streets on Christmas Day. You will not hear another bell ring until, uh, what, next year, 2016. Back to you, Scott. Thanks, Tasha. That's going to do it for this week. Tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.